this to me. I have to speak next week. It's not going to be as good. Everybody's going to come looking for you, and they're going to get me. But he will definitely be here next week. He had a family wedding he had to attend this weekend. Uh, so we'll look forward to seeing him next week. So it's 2023. It's... Uh, January, and everybody knows in January we have to do our New Year's resolution uh, because it's required. It's an unwritten law, you know. Um, but um, New Year's resolutions tend to really focus on self, um, like personal, um, worldly, you know, I got to lose weight, I got to stop eating gluten, you know, walk the dog more, things like that. Um, but I feel that God gave me a message, know the way. I'm gonna to try to fix my mic here. Uh, know the way so that we can actually be an example for other people. We're Christians, we have power, we have anointing to do what only we can do. I'm just gonna turn it out and that way I won't breathe on it. Um, and we need to do that. We need to see the power of God move in our lives you know, um, Marcus did a great sermon, uh, The Power of the Testimony, and I thought about what if in the new year, instead of making a New Year's resolutions to kind of just kind of be better on the socioeconomic status, uh, we thought about what God wanted us to do, and we pressed into it. You know, we're Christians. We're supposed to be moving mountains, and if we could pick just one mountain, if I could pick a mountain, and you could pick a mountain, and you could pick a mountain, and you could pick a mountain, and then in December we could have, you know, testimonies of how we made it through. How, you know, how about this year we, we move some mountains? How about this year we, we make a difference, you know? How about we change some things because we're Christians, you know, and not just go with the flow? So um, I have this message, know the way, so that if you know the way, you can show others. It's not like um, when you know something, you know, if you're a hairdresser or um, a chef or whatever it is, your expertise, which you know, and then somebody goes, oh, that's not how you make that. You're like, no, that's how you make that. I know because I make that and, and I know the way and, and we, need to, we need to know that. Uh, if you've ever seen the movie Titanic, there's Rose and there's Jack and uh, Jack gets arrested because he stole something and he finds himself, as the, as the boat is sinking, you know, handcuffed to, you know, the, the pipe. And then there's Rose and Jack, Jack, Jack. She's, she's looking for Jack. And uh, she's like, sir, where would you take somebody that the master, uh, the master of the guard or something would take? And he's like, Rose, you know, Rose, let me tell you. Go down this hall. At the end of the hall, there are three staircases. Pick the one in the middle. Go down that staircase. Then there's three sets of doors. Go through the last one. Then turn right. Then go down that hall. And then turn around three times and do some jumping jacks. And then call somebody. And then you'll find the room at the end of the hall, uh, oh, you know, after you've swam, you know. And he gives this long set of instructions. And I'm watching the movie with anxiety because I'm like, there's no way I'm going to remember that. You know, I'm like, Jack just wouldn't make it if I was Rose. You know, and I'm watching the movie, getting all nervous and stressed out, thinking, I mean, can you write it down? I mean, I know the ship's going down, but how, how can I save Jack? I just don't know. But if he would say, let me show you, let me show you, it would have been so much easier. I know the ship's going down, but we could probably do it in like five minutes and get there, and it's just no worse, but why don't I just show you the way? You know, I, even here at the church, people are like, you know, where's the restroom or where's this and how can I do that? How do I do the machines? I'm like, you know what? Let me just show you because I know the way. I know how to do it. If you know the way, you can show others, you know, the way to, to change their lives, to be different. Uh, and that's important. So uh, my mother, I'm originally from Pennsylvania, and my mother comes down to visit me like every other year, and she brings a close friend of the family. I call her my aunt. Uh, both of them are Sylvia, so it's my aunt Sylvia and my mother Sylvia, and they come down to visit me. And if, you know, I live in Homestead. I live like way, way down, you know, just take the turnpike, exit one, all the way down. I'm, I'm at the bottom, you know, like the bottom. Um, so 
my, my mother comes down to visit me and she, she follows the GPS. She's not from Miami, she follows the GPS. Well, the GPS, when she got off the, the turnpike, should have had her turn right, but for some reason, the GPS had her turn left. And she passes US-1, she passes Chrome, she's in Florida City, she doesn't know where she is, she's circling and circling because the GPS told her to do this. So she calls me. And I'm like, Mom, you don't know where you're at. I know where you're at. And, and you have to understand, Sylvia is a type A personality. I love my mother. But she's a type A. You don't tell Sylvia what, I'm fine. I'm fine. I have the GPS. We're fine. We don't need any help. We're fine. And I'm like, OK. So I, my mother's just floating around. And I'm just like, I know you're not in the best neighborhood. I can't reach you, you know? And it's like, I told her before I got off the phone, I like tried to really connect with her. And I'm like, mom, it's 5.30. Don't let it get dark. You know, like word to the wise, the sun goes down, I can't help you. You know, your goose is cooked. You know, I'm trying to talk to her. And so we hang up the phone, but you know, she's got it, she's got it. I can't tell her, I cannot tell her what to do. So. Ten minutes later, she calls me and a friend. I go, okay, fine, fine, help me, get me out of here. I don't know how to, I don't know how to get out of here. So I find out where she is, and I get her on Campbell. I bring her down. I'm like, okay, you're going to see NBC on the one side. You're going to see Zidano's. Then you're going to pass the YMCA, and you're going to keep going, and, and I'll get you, you know, to this place. And every intersection, I was telling her what she was going to see, you know. And she's like, yes, 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 I see that. Oh, yes, yes, yes. And I could hear, like, the excitement in her voice because what I was doing, I was building confidence. I was letting her know, I got you. You're safe. I know exactly where you're at, and I'm going to get you to your destination. And, and, and she appreciated it. She was, you know, excited. The next day, they came to the house. My Aunt Sylvia was like, Shelly, that was amazing, you know? Every intersection, you were telling us exactly what to expect, and we saw this, and we got exactly where we were supposed to be. She was like, how'd you do that? And I was like, well... I live here, you know, <laughs> I live here, I, I know, I, I know, I live in Homestead, I know Homestead, I know exactly, you know, where you were, because I knew the way, I knew the way, when you know the way, you can direct people. Um, just one or more story, and it's going to connect in a second, but, um, you know, in life, you get older, you know, when you're young, you have dreams, and, you know, you're going to have the biggest house on the biggest hill, you're going to marry the best person, your kids are going to be perfect, you're going to be rich. You're going to be famous. Everybody's going to know your name. It doesn't work out that way. Everything kind of changes. You know, you just end up where you end up, and you, you just kind of struggle, you know? You get through it. Um, but I was looking at my life. You know, I'm a half a century old, and I'm like, the second half, you know, the next half of the century, you know, it's like, as you get older and you look at retirement, you're like, you want to have some steaks in the freezer. You know what I'm saying? You, you want to be prepared for when you can't walk to the bathroom yourself, you know, and you, you want to be prepared. And I'm like, Lord, you know, not only do I not have steaks, I don't even have a freezer. And I'm like getting upset because I'm looking at the end of my life and I'm getting really worried. I'm getting scared. And for months I was just contemplating on, you know, I'm just not, I'm not going to make it, you know. I'm like, you know, telling my daughter, I'm living with you. I'm telling you right now, just, 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 just get used to it. You know, and I was getting worried, but I was really, really getting down. And so I prayed, and the Lord rebuked me. I mean, he rebuked me. And it was the most comforting rebuke I've ever had. I could feel like the Lord was frustrated and disappointed and mad at me um, in this rebuke. But it was the most comforting rebuke I've ever had in my life, I didn't hear an audible voice, but it was like a download. I knew it was God. I knew it wasn't my thought. It was his thought. And he said to me, and I'm saying this to you, he said, why do you think that your God is not going to take care of you? Just think about that. Why do you think that your God is not going to take care of you? And it's like I just had to step back. And I'm like, I have a God. You know, he's like, I'm not your dad. I'm not your husband. I'm not your family. I'm not your neighbor. I am almighty God, and I am your God. And why do you think for one minute that I would let something happen to you? 
Why do you think I'm not going to prepare for you? Just because you can't see the way doesn't mean that you're not going to be totally taken care of. And he said to me, why do you think that your God isn't going to take care of you? And it's like, it's just such a comforting statement to me now. Everything I get into, I'm thinking, you know, my God's going to take care of me. And it's like, I want to get a card. I'm going to get it laminated. I've got a God. And I'll be like, I'm going to go to the grocery store. Somebody gives me a hard time. I'll be like, what? What? I got a God. I got a God. You know, the other day, my daughter, she, she's an artist, and we went to this art show, and it was like I get nervous when I'm in a different place and I have to park because you never know what the parking's going to be. Is there going to be a cost? I don't know if I'm going to be able to park. Am I going to be closed? We're going to have to walk like 10 blocks just to get there. And I'm like, God, you know, I got to park. <laughs> you know how I feel about parking. And, you know, the Lord's just, you know, and then I remembered. I'm like, I had to look at my own God card. It's like, that's right, I got a God. He's going to take care of me. I, I parked just fine. And it's like you always have to remember, you have a God. You have a powerful God working things out for you. Just for you. He won't let things happen to you. He's going to take care of you. And you have to understand that. And if you put the two together, knowing the way and understanding that you have a God, we need to move mountains. 2023, we should be moving mountains. We are Christians. We have the Holy Spirit we have power. We have provision. We should be moving mountains. Something in your life needs to change this year. Something needs to change this year. We need to get through a situation this year. Pain needs to end this year. Something needs to just, you have to ask God to bring it to your attention. What, what changes? What, what am I to change this year? What is to change this year that I'm to pray into, press into, move into, that I can have a testimony come December, and then we could just have like testimonies in December. Because if you can get through your situation, and he can get through his situation, and she can get through her situation, and we all have testimonies, then I know you can get through it. You know, one thing like it was, Shirley, Shirley, uh, when do you give up on God? Never. You never give up. That's what she said. Just never give up. Just never give up on God. Never give up. If you never give up, you're going to make it. Never give up. Okay, and um, in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1, it says, imitate me just as I also imitate Christ. Follow me as I follow Christ. And that's what we need to do. We need to show people the way. Find the way. Know the way. So when people come to you, you're able to show them and guide them how to get through their situations. There really is no reason. If you think about having a God, your own God, you know, and it's not just a God, it is the God, almighty God with you, there's really no reason to fear. There's really no reason to have anxiety or worry or excessive thought. Um, people used to tell me, you know, Shelly, don't worry. Shelly, don't worry. You worry too much. You worry. And I'm like, I don't worry. I just like to think about things. I just, you know, there's a, just a logical procession of, 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 of what's going to happen, and I need to be prepared, and I need to make preparations, and I need to get people in line. I got to just, you know, I don't worry. I'm just, just in line figuring things out. I just got to figure things out because things are going to happen. You just got to figure it out. You know, you got to be ready, you know? And I realized that excessive thought is called worry. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm a worry board. But we really shouldn't worry. We have Almighty God. I read a book once. Um, it was called Who Switched Off My Brain? Uh, it was a Christian author, and, and she talked about how there's just uh, two emotions. The whole human race, we only experience only two emotions. We experience love, and we experience fear. And all of your positive, happy, you know, loving, ooey-gooey, chewy feelings, they're all expressions of love. But when you have anxiety, when you have sadness, anything negative is a form of fear. And so whenever I feel, you know, if I'm getting sad or I'm getting frustrated or, you know, I'm just coming into a situation, it's just people just aren't acting right, I have to ask myself, you know, okay, wait a minute, wait, wait a minute. What, what am I really afraid of? You know, what am I afraid that's going to happen? Am I afraid that I'm going to be alone? 
Am I afraid that I'm just not going to make it? Am I afraid that somebody's taking advantage of me? Do I feel like people are making fun of me? Do I feel embarrassed? Why am I embarrassed? Because, you know, you got to say, what is that fear? And we need to cast that on the Lord, casting all your care upon him because he cares for you, 1 Peter 5, 7. We need to cast our care on the Lord. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding and all your ways. Acknowledge him, and he shall direct your path. Proverbs, Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. We have a God. We have a God. We have power, and we need to move into that. And, and by the way, yes, this is paper. I don't have an iPad. I, I'm a paper person. I like paper. So anyway. So we want to talk about victory, victory today, because this is what it's all about. We want to know the way. We want to be able to lead people. We want to have our own victory so that we can lead others. But what is victory? Got to think about it. What is victory? Victory is the result of a struggle. Victory is the result of a battle. You absolutely, positively cannot ever experience victory without a struggle without a struggle, without a problem, without a difficulty. If you want a victorious life, I want a life full of victory. Guess what you're asking for? You're asking for a life full of struggle because it's the only way that you can get victory is through the struggle. And you have to understand that having struggle is not necessarily a bad thing because God promises us the victory. It's the only way to have victory. But thanks be to God, which giveth us, giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's 1 Corinthians 15, 57. For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world, and this is the victory that overcometh the world, our faith. 1 John, that's uh, chapter 5, verse 4. Another thing that you have to realize is that life isn't perfect. We just have to let that ideal of perfection go. It just doesn't exist, okay? There are no perfect spouses. They don't exist. Do you know why? Because they're all human. It's just true. There are no perfect churches. Do you want to know why? Because they're filled with humans, okay? There's no perfect job. Somebody is going to fry your potatoes. <laughs> Somebody will fry your potatoes. You know why? Because your job probably has humans involved in it. Okay? There are no perfect pastors. You know why? Because they happen to come in a certain form. It's called human. Okay? And you have to accept that perfection doesn't exist. We feel like as Christians, we're just going to, you know, float. You know, we're going to float from here to there and everything's going to be great. But it doesn't exist. It's real life. It doesn't exist. And you have to see what's in front of you. But there's one thing that is perfect about each and every one of us. You are perfectly designed for your kingdom call. Whatever God has called you to, you are perfect in every way, to do what God has called you to do, and only you can do it. Perfect. And that's what you need to focus on. One thing that, you know, I, I said in first service, I didn't plan on saying it, but I, I thought about it this morning. You know, we have to deny ourselves, and we have to let go of self. And I realized that I always thought of self as the person I used to be. And God showed me, he goes, no, it's the person you're still trying to become that doesn't coincide with my plan, you know? And it doesn't mean that it's necessarily something bad, but I have to let my desires be his desires, you know? And it's not about, like, desiring, like, I really want this, you know, like I want a Krispy Kreme donut. But I'm just saying, you know, you have to walk in what God has called you to because that's what you were designed to do. When God made you, as Pastor Kevin always says, he made you on purpose with a purpose, and you are perfectly made to fulfill that purpose, and you need to know that. You're perfect. You can look in the mirror and say, I'm perfect. 
Because you are perfectly made to do what you are called to do. We can also um, think about all of the greats. Name anybody in the Bible. I mean, like, even if you've never read the Bible, I'm sure you've heard of a name. Moses, Noah, David, Jesus, the disciples. Which one of them had an easy life? Which one of them didn't have a life, like from start to finish, that had struggle and difficulty? They all had it, but they sought God's plan. That's why it says we seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all these things shall be added unto you. You have to seek God's kingdom plan for your life in order to be victorious, in order to be successful. But they all had struggles. They had struggles physically, emotionally, and even spiritually. You know, we get, you know, the doctors will give you a diagnosis you don't want to hear. We have emotional struggles, but we even have spiritual struggles. There's been many a times where I've been like, am I even saved? I don't even know anymore. You know, and I've walked with the Lord, and I have to actually go through every building block of Christianity. And I'm like, okay, the world did not evolve from slime. It just didn't. It was created by God. And if there's a God, there's a right God. And the Jews are still pa uh, celebrating Passover. That means that that happened and they went through the Red Sea. So everything Moses said is right. And then it's like, and we are still celebrating communion. That means that that happened and Jesus is right. And I just go and I pull myself out of that. I pull myself out. And I build it up block by block and remember who I am and whose I am and who Jesus is. And I am a Christian. And God does walk with me. And I do have power. And I am loved. And I do have purpose. And I go through it. And you've got to pull yourself out and remember who you are. Building yourself up block by block. You know, in Matthew uh, chapter 24, 13, it says... But the one who endures and bears up under suffering to the end will be saved. And that's what we have to do. He who endures to the end will be saved. Shirley, when is it time to give up on the Lord? Never. never. You never give up. You never give up. You never give up. So we're here to manifest kingdom. That's our purpose, to manifest the kingdom. Uh, Jesus in Luke chapter 4, he read a, he was, you know, in the temple and he read um, Isaiah, the scripture from Isaiah. And it says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed and commissioned me to bring good news to the humble and afflicted. He has sent me to bind up the wounds of the brokenhearted, to proclaim release, and that's from confinement and condemnation, to the physical and spiritual captives, I'm reading the Amplified, and freedom to prisoners, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. He was reading Isaiah chapter 61, verse 1 and 2. We are now the body of Christ. This is now our job. We are his body. This is what we are to do. God, uh, Jesus, died on the cross, rose the third day, ascended, and he's up there with God the Father. And then he gave us the Holy Spirit. He says, you know, if you, if you, if you, you wouldn't be sad if you knew I was going to the Father because then the Holy Spirit was coming. You would understand that the Comforter is coming. The Comforter can't come until I leave. Jesus was limited. You have to realize that he was limited. He had to walk to this place to heal that one and walk to that place to heal that one. He had to eat. He had to use the restroom. He had to sleep. He was confined in his human body. But the Holy Spirit is infinite, and we all have it all the time. And that's the, 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 the beauty of it. And with the Holy Spirit, collectively, we are the body of Christ. We are the ones that the Spirit of the Lord is on right now. So just say with me, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because the Lord has anointed and commissioned me to bring good news to the humble and afflicted. He has sent me to bind up the wounds of the brokenhearted, 
to proclaim and release to the captives and uh, freedom to the prisoners to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. That's our job. That's what we're called to do. That's what we're designed to do. That's what you're designed to do. Okay, we're doing good. I'm, I'm turning pages. We're doing good. Just, just so you know that. We're doing good. We're getting through this together. <laughs> but we're here to, to manifest the kingdom. Jesus came to undo the works of the enemy. And he didn't do it by natural means. He did it through the power of the Holy Spirit. And we have that same spirit in us to move mountains. And we need to move these mountains. You were designed, you were born to rebuke the storm. When Jesus fell asleep in the boat and the storm came, and they woke him up, Master, don't you care that we perish? He was like, you have little faith. He rebuked the storm. You were born to rebuke the storms in your life and in other people's lives because you have the power to do it. When Jesus, I mean, I'm sorry, I said Jesus. When Peter walked on the water, Matthew chapter 14, Peter walked on the water. Jesus walked on the water. And we all know, you know, water's not dense enough to hold a human body. You shouldn't be able to walk on water. You should they both should have sunk in the water. But you are designed to walk above the circumstances that the, Lord's, the world says you're going to seek in. The doctors say, oh, you're not going to make it. You're going to sink. Your, your finances say you're not going to make it. You're going to sink. Your relationship's not going to make it. It's gonna, you're going to sink. But you were born to rise above. You were born to walk on top of those situations. We're born to be up there. That's why we're born again. We have the spirit of God and we need to be up there making a difference, not just going with what the world does because we are different. We have the power and we need to be up there. We need to be walking on the water above what other people sink in. We were born to rise above all circumstances like the eagles. But those who wait for the Lord, who expect, look for, and hope in him, will gain new strength and renew their power. They will lift up their wings and rise up close to God like eagles, rising towards the sun. They will run and not become weary. They will walk and not grow tired, Isaiah 40, 31. That's what we are meant to do. And we need to get serious about doing it. We need to move the mountains in our lives so when people come to us, we could say, I faced that. I know exactly what's going to happen. And your family's not going to believe in you. And your kids are going to say that you're crazy. And you should just get throwing the towel. But I've been through that. And you need to stay strong. And this is what's going to happen. And this is what's going to happen around the turn. Just like my mother, I was telling her what she was going to see, what she was going to expect, how many lights she was going to go through till she got to her destination. If we know the way, if we know the way, we can take others with us. Amen? Amen. Amen. Awesome. Okay, so you are of God, little children, and you have overcome them because he who is in you is greater than he that is in the world. We were born to be the superheroes. We were born to be superheroes. Why do you like Superman? I love Superman. I just, you know, Iron Man, all right. I mean, just take your pick. Take your pick. You know, you might be, you know, X-Men. You might have Wolverine. I don't know. But the reason we like those movies and the reason we like them is because they can do what normal humans can't. You were born to be a superhero. You are a superhero because you can do what normal human beings can't do. You have the power of God. You can change situations. You can speak the storms. You can rise up. Amen. Superhero. We are the superheroes. And he didn't give us a spirit of fear that we do not have a spirit of fear. For God did not give us a spirit of timidity or cowardice or fear, but he has given us a spirit of power and love and sound judgment and personal discipline, abilities that result in a calm, well-balanced mind and self-control, again, amplified, 2 Timothy 1.7. 
For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. That's what you are built of, you know. That's what little girls are made of. We are made of this. We are made of the Holy Spirit and of power. And we have the ability to get through impossible situations. Moses, um, in Exodus chapter, in chapter 14, he came to the Red Sea. And you've got to understand that Pharaoh's army was behind him. He came to a beachhead in which there was only one way. It was like mountainous. You couldn't go anywhere. The only way back out was to face Pharaoh. So Pharaoh's chasing him, and he comes to a beachhead, and there's nothing but water. Think about it. You're in a different country. Somebody's chasing you to kill you. You're running. You're trusting your guide. And he comes, and he goes, ooh, I think we're at a dead end. You're going to be like, what? <laughs> you can't be at a dead end, you know? We're, no, we're not at a dead end. What do you mean the only way out is to go back? We, what do you mean we're at a dead end? And that's what he came to. He came to a dead end. But God's like, stretch your rod against the water. God makes a way out of no way. God makes a way out of no way. You can get through impossible situations if you lead on the Lord. And Moses said, 14, 13, then Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. Take your stand, be firm and confident and undismayed, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For those Egyptians whom you have seen today, you will never see them again. The Lord will fight for you, while you only need to keep silent and remain calm. Your God will fight for you. He will make a way for you. He will make a way out of impossible situations for you. Shirley, when do you give up on the Lord? You never give up. You never give up. You never give up. Amen. And the trap the devil has set for you, and it seems like you can't survive, you're done, your goose is cooked, you can use that situation to catapult you forward. In Esther chapter 7, Haman had built some gallows to hang Mordecai, if you know the story. But those very gallows, Haman hung on, and Mordecai became, you know, right up next to the king. And that's what God will do for you. He'll use that situation that you're in that's meant to destroy you and bring you down and use it to catapult you forward. In Genesis chapter 41, you have Joseph. He's thrown in prison, accused of rape. And he was just there. He was just going to rot, rot away. Nobody was coming for him. Nobody was looking for him. And there he was, just rotting away. The, the situation should have never gotten out of it. But the baker and the cupbearer also were there. And, you know, he could have been like, you know what? I'm tired of being here. I'm done. This is the new normal. I'm not going to try to change. I'm going to give up. And I'm not interpreting your dreams. You know why? I don't feel like it. I just don't feel like it today. I'm tired. But he didn't. He kept on going forward. He kept on going forward. And he interpreted those dreams. And it didn't even happen right then and there. It happened later, years later, when the cupbearer said to Pharaoh, Oh, I remember. There was a guy. What's his name? Joe... Jose something, I don't know, he was, 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 was an Israelite, a little Hebrew fella. Yeah, he's in the prison. He can interpret your dream. One day, pit to the palace. The very situation that he was in brought him in contact with the cupbearer, with the baker. He did what God called him to do, and he was catapulted out. The Lord will catapult you out of your situation if that's what it takes, if that's what you need. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus says in John chapter 10, verse 27, the sheep that are mine, I'm sorry, the sheep that are my own, hear my voice and listen to me. I know them and they follow me. You have the Holy Spirit. You hear God. You hear God. He is the way. 
I want to be able to give you some formula. Avoid gluten. Eat kale. Sleep nine hours a day. And all your dreams will come true. I want to give you some formula of what you need to do to change your situation. But the reality is, is that your situation, you need your own unique plan. You need the formula to come straight from God because it's different for everybody. You could be sick, but the way of your healing is going to be different. And I'm going to explain that. I'm going to show you. The processes are different for everybody. And you have to get your process from Jesus. You just do. You have to sit. You got to find your, your space. You got to let everything calm down, worship, and you just need to say, Holy Spirit, what do I need to do? Holy Spirit, what mountain do you want me to move this year? Holy Spirit, how do I do that? Holy Spirit, show me the way. Give me scriptures. Show me what I need to do to make this mountain move so that I can be the example, so that I can know the way and I can encourage others. And it's going to be different. Healing. In John chapter 9, verse 6, a blind man came to Jesus for healing, and he spit, and he made mud. <laughs> and he made mud. Now, can you imagine, in this day and age, if Jesus dripped bodily fluids into mud to heal you, you'd be like, oh, hand sanitizer, hand sanitizer, what are you doing? It's like, Lord, we, we have this thing, it's called COVID, we don't, we, don't, we don't do that. Do you have a mask? I'm not saying you're wrong, I'm just saying, is this really the way that we're going to do this? And if you, you know, if you want to put it on, you'd be like, oh, don't put that on me. But that was the way he healed. He spit bodily fluid made mud and rubbed it so the man could see. You got to realize that was his process. But with lepers, you didn't see him doing that. He didn't make mud to change lepers. He just did it for that one guy. That was his process. It was unique just for him. In Luke 17, 14, 10 lepers came to him. He didn't touch him. He didn't make mud. He didn't say anything. He said, go show yourselves to the priest. That was it. They traveled all this way. He didn't do anything. No abracadabra didn't, you know, touch them. He said, go show yourself to the priest. You'd be like, I came all this way, and he didn't even, he didn't even say anything. He didn't even pray for me. He didn't touch me. You know, just go show yourself to the priest. But they were all healed. That was their process. They had to be obedient. They had to do something. They went. That was their process. In Mark chapter 2, verse 5, when uh, the paralytic, the friends dug a hole in the roof for the paralytic and dropped him down, the first thing Jesus said to him was, your sins are forgiven. He didn't say that to everybody. I mean, it was true, but he didn't say it. That guy needed to hear it. That guy, ne he needed that. Maybe you need, you, you're riddled with guilt. I don't know. But that might be your process. I don't know what you need, but that's your process. Matthew 8, uh, verse 13, the centurion came to him, and he said, you know, I'm not even worthy to have you come in my, in my, under my roof. Just say the word. Just say the word. He didn't, he didn't go with him. He didn't pray. He didn't lift. He didn't make mud. He didn't give him anything to do. He, he just said the word, and there was a healing. That was that process. Mark chapter 8, verses 22 through 26. This is interesting. You should go home and you should read this. Um, to heal this man, I believe he was blind, he had to take him out of the town. He had Jesus, almighty God, didn't heal him where he was. He led him out of the town in order for him to be healed. And then after he healed him, he said, don't ever go back in the town. The circumstance, he had to come out of his circumstance and never go back in. But he didn't say that to everybody. Your process is unique just for you. In Mark 7, uh, chapter 7, verses 33 through 35, he put fingers in a man's ears. He pulled on his tongue, and then he said some words, and, and he could speak because the man was a mute. He couldn't speak. It was just a different process. 
but healing came in different ways to these people in different situations. Jesus did something different. And if Jesus has to listen to the Holy Spirit and do different things at different times for different people, we need to pay attention and listen to the Holy Spirit and find the process that is right for our situation today. You have to understand that the process comes from God. Matthew uh, 17, 18, he cast the demon out, the epileptic boy that the, the demon often threw him in the fire. He cast out a demon, but all the other ones, there weren't demons. But this one did have a demon. Do you need deliverance? Do you need inner healing? What do you need? What are you struggling with? I don't know what your process is, but Jesus knows what you need, and you need to listen to him, and you need to trust it in order to move um, in your process. And it takes endurance. It takes endurance. If you think about Jericho, when the children of Israel came out of the Red Sea, they were in the, the uh, desert for 40 years, and the first town they came to was Jericho. And Jericho, of course, had uh, the walls around it. And they marched around Jericho for six days. They went around the wall one time for six days. And then the seventh day, they did it seven times. And then the walls came tumbling down. I don't know what they were expecting because God didn't say the walls were going to come tumbling down. He just said, do this process. And they did it. And the walls just came down. But, you know, they never repeated that process. They never went anywhere else and repeated that process. They conquered the other cities in a different way. And also, it takes the endurance to do what God called you to do. If God told you to do something for a, for a set amount of time, and you saw absolutely nothing change for, for a set of time, like six days. That's what they did. But nothing changes. And God goes, okay, now I want you to go seven times harder. You might be like, man, I'm, I'm a little tired, you know? I mean, BoJack Horseman's on Netflix, and I would rather watch uh, the whole series. And, you know, I don't really want to go seven times harder. But if that's your process and you saw nothing for six days, and God said, now go seven times harder. Do you give up? You don't give up. You have to listen to your Lord. You have to listen to the Holy Spirit. You have to let him guide you through your process. This is how you get your victory, hearing God, sticking to it, enduring. Get your victory. Amen? Yes. Amen. All right. And the enemy, the enemy should be afraid of you because you're a superhero. David, when he was, uh, he was anointed to be king, but of course King Saul was king when he was anointed, and then Saul um, pursued him to kill him. And David eventually said, you know, I'm never going to be safe in Israel, so I'm going to go, I'm going to go in enemy territory, and that way Saul won't, won't pick on me. He will, you know, he'll leave me alone. So he went into enemy territory. And while he was there, he was just you know, um, pulverizing their towns, leaving no witnesses and taking their goods. But he'd tell the, the, the king of that territory, oh, I was in Israel. I, I, was, I, was, I was looting, you know, cities in Israel, but he wasn't. He was, he was looting the territory. So the king of the territory thought he was faithful to the Philistines. And eventually the Philistines went to go fight Israel. He goes, oh, I'm going to take my buddy. I'm going to take David. You know, I'm going to take David to go fight the Israelites. And when he got there, the other kings were like, you know, like took a double take like, is that David? Is, is that David? You, you brought David? Like, like the David? You brought David. It's like, you know, they, they wrote songs about David. You know, Saul killed his thousands, but... David killed his 10,000s? You brought David? And they were just taken aback, like, how could you bring David to fight the Israelites? You realize that if David decides to switch sides in the middle of it, we're all going down. And they're like, send David home. How could you even bring David? Like, hit him on the back of the head. Come on, man, think. You can't bring David. And they sent him home because they were afraid of what David could do. The devil should be afraid to attack you because of what you're going to do. Whatever attack comes on you, all the little lesser imps and demons go to the big guy and be like, yeah, I, I, I gave so-and-so sickness. It was like, you gave who sickness? 
you know, I gave so-and-so financial difficulty. You gave who? But you, 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 you ended whose job? Why did you attack that person? Why did you attack? Do you realize that she is going to overcome? Do you realize that he is going to get victory? And when he gets that victory, he's going to show other people how to do it. The devil should be afraid to attack you. That's, that's victory. That's power. That's what we need to be. That's what we need to be. All right, good. I'm glad you guys are like giving me feedback, giving me feedback. So, um, but the devil needs, should be afraid of you. And, and life, life comes in moments. And you have to realize that, you know, you prepare your whole life. You're always in a preparation for your life. You're always in a preparation for moments. Why do you keep your house clean? Because somebody might show up. At least one bathroom's going to be clean. They're not all going to be clean. The upstairs one's going to be a mess. But downstairs, we're going to look good. Because somebody might come over and need to use the restroom. And you keep it clean. You're always in preparation. You go through education. You keep, um, you know, like licenses. And you, you, get, you keep your education up because you're always preparing. You want to be ready. You never know who's going to come through the door. You never know when the opportunity is going to come. And you're always ready for these moments because you don't know when they're going to come. Um, Joseph, like I said, he was in the pit. He didn't know when his moment was going to come. These two guys just had dreams, but that was his moment. He didn't, he didn't know. It was not like he had a dream, and he was just like, oh, these guys are going to come, and I'm going to get saved. He just did what God called him to do. He was preparing. He kept himself in order to go from the pit to the palace. That moment came, and we're all preparing for the moment. Jesus said in Mark chapter 13, 35, you know not when the master cometh. He may come when you least expect it. So you always want to be full. The parable of the virgins, Matthew 25, 13, there were five wise virgins and there were five foolish virgins. And they didn't keep their oil. They didn't keep their anointing. They didn't keep their vessels full of that anointing. And then when the wedding came, they weren't ready and they missed that moment. We have to stay full of the anointing because you don't know when your moment is going to come. Always stay full of the anointing. Always stay close to your Savior. Always stay close to your Lord. You should always feel him and check him because when your moment comes, you'll be ready and your victory will come. And so we need to know the way. I mean, that's just it. We need to pray, ask God, not necessarily to make your life perfect, but it's like, what do you want me, what mountain do you want me to move this year? And I'm going to do it. You give me the plan, and I'm going to do it, and I'm going to stick to it, and I'm going to show others the way. When I have victory, whenever anybody comes to me with this situation, I'll be like, I know the way, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take you. I'm going to take you through. I'm going to tell you exactly what you need. I'm going to give you support because I know the battle. I know the struggle, but I also know the victory because God is good. Amen? Amen. All right, I'm quick. I'm telling you, see, that was it. You still got Sunday. You still got the rest of the day. But in case somebody doesn't know the Lord, in case somebody doesn't know the Lord, or maybe you just want to rededicate it because the promises of God are for the children of God. They're for those that are sold out. They're for those that, that really give it all to Jesus. So in case you don't know the Lord or maybe you need to rededicate it, I just I ask you to just pray with me. <sighs> Say, Lord, I just give you all that I am. I give you all that I am. And I take all that you are upon myself. I look to you, Lord, to lead me. I look to you, Lord, to guide me. And I will follow you, Jesus. Show me the way, God. Show me how to move my mountains. Show me how to hear your plan and follow your plan. And when I have victory, Lord God, I will give you all the glory and all the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so we do have prayer people available if you need to uh, get more prayer, but I am going to bless you one more time. The Lord bless you, the Lord keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift his countenance upon you and give you peace. We love you. God loves you. 
Have a great week. The Lord lift his countenance upon you and give you peace. You got to kill the live stream. Kill the live stream, just X out of it, and then you can put the volume back up.
Y'all give it up for the legendary Cody Carr. I am right now. Wasn't holding you up, 